Hey, what's up? Like, totally time for 90210. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the 90210 show. What? My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's February 22nd, 1996. And it we is. we are talking about nine oh two one oh yet again. It's like we it's like we talk about nine oh two one oh every week. That was a heavy right? that was a heavy sigh. Are because you, I'm you just, sick of the show now. No, I love nine oh two one oh actually, but okay. I'm thinking about just the heaviness of the episodes lately and it's like oh, it was quite heavy. I want a light, fluffy episode again. I feel like Marty McFly was quite a heavy episode. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. They start us off with a previously on 90210, without saying previously on 90210. Yeah, they just do like a flashback. We get to hear that fantastic scream again. It's black and white footage for some reason. <laughs> well, they're showing it's in the past. Although the, Actually, they're showing, too, that it's Dylan's dream, because he's having a nightmare about it. And remember when Andrea had that nightmare? That was also in black and white. Yeah. Does the right do the creator of the show dream in black and white? Maybe. Some people do do that. That's interesting. I do not. I, I have full color version dreams. I, I have full color version dreams as well. I don't remember anywhere near as much of my dreams as you, but they are colorful. It's weird because even when I'm remembering the dreams though, the the visuals aren't as it's not like, I don't know if other people experience visuals and dreams the same way that I do. Like, I experience the visuals of the dreams, but upon waking, they they fade real fast. Okay. The, the series of events, I can remember better, but the visuals, they, they go pretty quick. Like, I can imagine what I must have been seeing in my dream, mm-hmm. but the actual visuals themselves fade fast. For me, it's so fast, I can barely hang on to it most of the time. Gotcha. And I might have, like, the vaguest idea of what it was that I dreamt about, and, and the feeling is what I'll hang on to. Like, mm-hmm. if I if I was feeling, like, really, like, intensely, even if it wasn't a good feeling, right? I'll kind of hold on to that. Well, but the d- pictures and everything, that goes. Dylan is surely holding on to the feeling of watching his dad explode. Right? <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is quite a, quite a thing, huh? Yeah. Poor kid. So he watched his dad burn up into a fall ball of fire. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have some issues, you know. And like through the whole episode, it's like I don't like how they're handling this because they're making him seem crazy, and he's not crazy. Yeah, because he wakes up, and as soon as they did this, I was like, oh no. Yeah, he wakes up, and he's face to face with himself. Right. So he wakes up, and and it's himself. And he's like, yeah, it's a waking nightmare where you're never going to get over it, Dylan. Your life's fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like his id talking to him. I guess I, you understand a lot more about that than I do. But I mean, like he's just he, whoever, whatever part of him he's speaking to is very like down and dramatic and, you know, crazy about everything and they want to do everything and. From a psychological point of view, does this make any sense? They do mention in the episode later 
that he hasn't slept in a few days. Yeah, I mean, that part, because he hasn't slept and he's grieving, it makes sense for him to be a little psychotic, yes. And to have visual hallucinations. And auditory. He's talking to himself, too. But he understands that that is not real. Right. So it's not a delusion. Yes, and... and it's, Look at me being all smart. It's very promising that he will recover because he understands it's not real. Interesting. So, but yeah, so he's talking to himself in a baseball cap. Is he? Is do you think he's really hallucinating, or do you think this is just how he's thinking things through? Well, that's the thing. Is this poetic license? Right. Is this just? But because of what happens later, I think he is. Oh, okay. I think he is hallucinating this. Like, I think he really sees this thing. But he knows enough not to talk to it or react when others are around. Mm-hmm. Like, Kelly comes in. She's like, hey, you okay? <laughs> and he's like, I'm not going to talk to you. She's like, I wish there was something I could do to make yeah. you feel better. And, and then, then she, she starts, starts to, kissing him. Starts to rub herself up. She's like, oh. Like, no, not the time. Is there a safe place that I could, <laughs> that your cock could rest and maybe make you feel better? Not the time. There Kelly. are reporters all outside of his house because his criminal dad got incinerated. Yeah. He really did get incinerated, too, because when they go to the funeral later, he's in a jar. Yeah, they have his ashes in a urn. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it might as well be a coffee can. It's a very pedestrian-looking <laughs> urn. True. But, like yeah. Somebody dumped out their green tea bags. I was like, yeah, just put them in. And then um, uh, Jim shows up at his house mm-hmm. and says that he's there to take him back to back home. Yeah. And uh, that Brenda is the one that sent him. Brenda insists, because Dylan's like, oh, Brenda doesn't want... Uh, I'm persona non grata. Right. And he said, no, Brenda said, his dad's dead. I'll forgive him. And, and, and then he spits on against Kelly's face, and he's like, that's from Brenda, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Kelly is still there when he says that he'll go to their house. Yeah. It's kind of a weird situation. Yes, it is. He's going to sleep in the same house as his ex-girlfriend and get comfort from her and her family and not from Kelly. Yeah, it's and Kelly is there, like, trying to comfort him. Mm-hmm. But she also seems like she doesn't really know what to do or how to be comforting. Yeah. So it might be kind of a relief for her, too. Yeah, but also just a really awkward situation Yeah, for Kelly. I mean, I get not wanting to be in his own house that night or whatever. Yeah. But. Or to go to the Bellage Hotel. (laughs) Or to go back to that boat. What happened to that boat? Who knows? Does he own it now? I don't that think his, his dad owned it. It was his dad's boat, right? So doesn't no, he get it? I don't think so. I don't think his dad actually owned it. The creditors are going to rip that boat apart. <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, at Brenda's house, like, she's actually, you know, really pretty nice to him. And yeah. it kind of seems like maybe he's floating back her way, don't you think? Oh, well, yeah, a little bit. It does definitely seems like there's... there. I don't... So this will probably dominate the storylines for the next, like, two, three episodes. Mm -hmm. And then no one will remember that Jack McKay ever existed. Right. Every once in a while, Dylan will be like, I did, he died. (laughs) That'll be it. Uh, But, so I think that there's a possibility of that being 
a drama story point in the next few episodes. They're laying the groundwork for the possibility. Yeah. Nothing overt happens in this episode, but they're laying the groundwork. Did we mention the reporters, too? There are reporters just yeah. hounding him. They're, they're all over the place. I don't get this at all, because he's not... St- this guy was a criminal and everything, but it's not like Dylan had anything to do with his crimes, or really him. Like, he barely was around him. Right. So, it just seems... I can see some a few reporters reaching out to him being like, hey, you're the one that saw what happened. Do you want to give us a statement or whatever? But camping out outside his house like he's Tanya Harding at the <laughs> center of this of this story, it seems weird. Well, I mean, his dad's gone. They can't hunt. hunt blah, blah, blah. They cannot. They can't do that either. <laughs> they can't hang out around his dad. That would be liable. And I mean, he's, brothers. he's front page news. His dad's, the death of his dad's front page news, but, like, how much more can that be milked? Like, that, there's really nothing else going on in Beverly Hills? Yeah, I don't know. In the Los Angeles area? It is a little weird, I guess. Yeah. I agree. It is a little weird. But Dylan is, like, passing out because he's so tired because mm-hmm. he hasn't slept in a couple days. And At least that's what everybody thinks. And he hasn't eaten. But he gets up. And his weird alter ego hallucination self talks him into drinking. He's like, hey, how about some whiskey? How about some black label? And he just chugs it right out of the bottle. Like, I expected to see him be fucked up at some point Mm -hmm. or at least hungover. But there's really no consequence for that at all. Dylan's like, this is almost like uh, water with caramel coloring. (laughs) Almost. Delicious. But... Yeah, he does. That is, I never thought, I didn't think about that, but yeah, he must have been a, even if he was a hardcore drinker, though, it's been so long since he drank. Could you really, could anyone, even the hardest core drinker, really comfortably chug whiskey? Well, I mean, even if, even if they could, he, he hasn't been drinking. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. No sense. So... Then he's out driving around the next day, and his little alter ego is trying to get him to drink again, and he oh, yells booze. at him, and he's like, oh, you're we're going to get through this. You're getting ahead of yourself. That's the end of the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's after the funeral. That's 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 the end. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. We'll wait on that. Uh, Funeral. Yeah. At the funeral. The, the, it's the social event of the season in Beverly Hills. Right. The Jack McKay funeral, because everyone's talking about whether they can go, how long they can stay, what are they going to wear. Well, I think that's pretty normal for, with the funeral in a social group. I guess. But they're all talking about who's going to go and who can't go, who can go to the funeral and who can't, can't go back afterwards. What's his name? Brian Austin Green. Yeah, David. David Silver turns gold. <laughs> he, he's he got a... His producer wants to start cutting his record that day. He keeps, he's like, he keeps saying, I'm going to cut a record today. But that's not how records are made. <laughs> you don't go in one day and like, okay, laying down every track. Right. 
It doesn't. Ha- it doesn't work like that. I-, I would imagine even for the most like skilled and practiced musicians, it's not that easy. Usually, f- even f- for usually for the more skilled musicians, it takes longer. Really? Because they they want to experiment with different things, different sounds, or, or different ways to play something, different ways to produce it, different effects that you could put on it, and. Things like that. I don't understand a ton about music, but from what I've read, the ones that are really good and really innovative and creative tend to take a little longer creating their their stuff than someone that's pretty straightforward. Okay. I mean, I guess way back in the day, Sinatra could walk into a studio and belt out a number one time and be like, that's it, now I'm going to take a steam or whatever. But, well, yeah, I mean, Sinatra never saying anything the same way twice anyway. So. Right. So, but that's different. That's a lot different. Though. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, he, he's he's going to go lay down a track so he can't, he can't attend, he can attend the funeral, but he can't go to the Walsh's afterwards. And this is apparently a big deal to everyone except for Dylan. So like, that's the only person whose opinion matters in this situation. Well, Donna, as always, is the conscience of the group. Right. And she's like, you can't miss it, David. And then and then he's like, uh, he's going to be a while. I got to go. Can you say goodbye for me? No, I can't. Right. <laughs> so he goes and hunts him down in the bathroom. That's rude. Yeah. Let the man pee to tell him he can't stay. Like, he doesn't care. But it's good, maybe, I guess. I don't know. In the end, it really doesn't matter, right? That he did come in because this mob-looking dude yeah. walks up to... Dylan is like, hey, you're the son, huh? Well, I really want to say, uh, pay your respects to your dad. I was I was on the boat with him, you remember. <laughs> and then he walks up to him and he's like, look, somebody's going to be calling you after the funeral. You just do what they say. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? And so, I mean, that's so stupid and scary for no reason. Yeah. The whole thing, it's it's almost as if... They understand that there's an audience watching <laughs> that they need to keep a mystery for. Because in the real world, he'd just be like, hey, we need to talk to you. Right. I'm this person. We won't spoil it for you yet, but I'm this person and I need to talk and we need to talk to you in private. Yeah, that's what would have made more sense. But yeah, he's all scared. He goes back to the Walsh's and he does get a phone call. Mm-hmm. He borrows brandon's car and that duster he's wearing he looks so weird yeah like he wants to be a cowboy what is it is that his dressy jacket like i don't, I don't understand what is he was, happening he was here. in that movie eight seconds or whatever <laughs> yeah so maybe he does want to be a cowboy in real life <laughs> maybe. maybe this is luke perry insisting on wardrobe for his character <laughs> but it doesn't seem very beverly hills <laughs> not at all but he before this he goes to take a drink again because everybody's outside mm-hmm. and his inner self is telling him these people aren't your friends. They fucking hate you. They love Brandon. Yeah. They love that milk toast motherfucker. Nobody cares about him. Yep. And so he goes in, he's going to take a drink and David walks up. He's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, because David got out of his recording. Yeah. The, the, the guys, I don't know where they're going with this, but the guys seemed reasonable. <laughs> Because he's like, oh, yeah, my friend's dad died, you know, and everything. And they're like, oh, David, why didn't you tell us? Right. Of course you wouldn't have to come in today. And so anyway, he says to talk. They, they talk. They actually, this is actually a really good scene mm-hmm. between the two of them. 
where he says, this Brian Austin Green's a pretty good actor, actually. Yeah. And he says, hey, you know, I know we haven't been close. I know you really don't like me. Uh, and he's like, oh, I don't know you. And he's like, yeah, and I, I never felt like I knew you. But now I feel like I'm the only one that can understand what you're going through. Because, yeah, it wasn't my dad, but I was in the room when my friend, you know, a little blonde kid, right. <laughs> shot himself. and Or he says, accidentally blew himself away, which is a really, <laughs> really sensitive way to put it. Right. And he talks about how he felt afterwards and everything and... And he says speci- specifically that it's like a nightmare you can't wake up from, which mm-hmm. is what Dylan's weird self was saying to him that morning. Yeah, so. so Dylan completely understands. And David says, you know, I wanted to turn to drugs and, and alcohol and stuff like that to get through it. But the thing is, is you can't run away from your own head. I can't run away from your own brain, basically. Which is kind of true, but I mean, like, you know, people might argue that getting high and drunk is essentially doing that thing. Yeah, but I I think the point is, is your problems are still there. Yeah. Whether they're masked or not. Whether you deal with them or not, they still exist. But yeah, he does manage to stop him from drinking, so that is good. And and Dylan goes to meet the people, all dressed in trench coats, (laughs) at, at a dock, and he's like, so... It's, I think, is it like Mexican town or something like that? Or yeah, something Mexican like that. Mexican village. That's that's what it's called. I'm not trying to be offensive. In Detroit, that's what it's called, Mexican village. I don't know what it's called in Los Angeles. It could be Spanish town. I don't know. I have no idea because I've never been there. Anyway, it's the Hispanic area of of Los Angeles. You know, all of Los Angeles. <laughs> so he's there. He's looking at all the people and everything. And this guy comes up. He's like, yeah, thanks for coming. Let's go. And he's like, no, why don't you tell me who the fuck you are? Yeah, he's like, we're going to deal with this right here in front of all the people. And then the guy shows him a badge. Mm-hmm. FBI. And it's like, you could have just told him that. This kid just watched his dad die. Let's play fucking games with right. him. Right. In the car, he was freaking out, talking to himself about how he doesn't want to die. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> don't do that to him. So he goes into a barn and the guy's like, yeah. We're FBI, and guess what? Plot twist. Blondie walks out. She is also FBI. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? McKay's fiance. You called it. Yeah, I said she was working with him, too. And Dylan asked her if it was real or if it was just part of the investigation with mm-hmm. his dad, and she said it was real, and she was going to resign. Right. But he's like, well, now you don't have to. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> But he said, they said that the only re- the only way that he would work with them is if anything happened to them, to him, that they would tell Dylan that he was on the good guy's side, basically. So, yeah. So all this is just to give him the message that his dad was working with the FBI, which could have been done mm-hmm. in the restroom. They could have just handed him a... At the funeral home. They could have handed him a post-it note. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Yeah, all all this so they could gather in one spot to talk to him. Like, and the whole time they're like, "But we're not having this conversation." You don't well, know this. Who cares? You're he's dead. What right. are you gonna do? Well, they're still investigating his friends or partners or whatever. Yeah, okay. But anyway, so the then uh, he goes back, and he's he like you said. Then that's when he screams at his 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 inner self. 
And and when he's screaming about how they're he's not going to drink, he's going to deal with this without drinking. He says, "We're not thirteen anymore." That's fucked up. Yeah, that's when he started to to booze. Thirteen. I'm assuming that his parents must have divorced around that time, right? And that's how he dealt with it emotionally. So sad. And then he t- his inner self turns into a thirteen year old him. Yeah. And just kind of looks chagrined. And he opens his mouth and like, no, 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 no voice lines. We're not paying you more. You don't get scale, little kid. <laughs> so then that's basically it with for his storyline. Yeah, I mean, the end of the episode, he's put his arm around his 13-year-old self and is like crying and stuff, which oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I-, I think was a little much. Yeah, the whole thing with him talking to himself was a little much. He comes home and Brenda's Brenda's eating ice cream and she's like he's like, What flavor's that? And she's like, Here, let me show you. And she feeds him. Yeah. What the fuck, Brenda? She's, she's like, it's Brenda vagina flavored. Oh God. <laughs> Tempting Dylan. And Kelly had come in to the funeral a little bit late and saw that Dylan was sitting next to Brenda. Oh yes. I mean, yeah, if I were Kelly, I would not be okay with this. But he does call Kelly. Yeah. And they have a little conversation. He hugs her, too. So I guess, you know, he's he's trying to to make it seem like everything's okay. It's not. No. Things are not okay. Not no. even a little bit. It's not okay when, when Dylan and Brenda are in the same house. <laughs> hmm. Brandon talks a little bit about how he lost some money. Yeah. He's down a little bit on the season, but he's got a couple games, so he'll get it back. It'll he, be all right. He's such an idiot. That means he's just going to lose more. Like, why are you assuming that you're going to win, Brandon? Why didn't you just quit after you bought your fucking CD player? Right? And your skis and stuff. You should have just been done. It's not a career. Beginner's luck. I <sighs> guess you can make a career out of it, but it's really hard. Well, I don't think he should make a career no. out of it. It's not. See, he looks. He's looking at it as like, oh, this is fun. I can take my my little bit of knowledge about basketball and maybe make some educated guesses on who's going to win. But it's it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. The people that actually make a living betting on sports, like baseball handicappers and stuff, they they are they pour through numbers. All, like, all the time. That's all their life is. Sounds terrible. Like, I know this guy, Baseball Mike, who is a card player, too. And he he's a big-time baseball handicapper and sports better. And all he does is numbers. Like, he'll look at, oh, this team's win-loss record the last 15 years on night games when it's cloudy. And, and, like, he's got all that fucking information to to try to make the bets and stuff mm. like that. And it's, you can do it. You can eke out little advantages. But it's it's so much work for, for not, I mean, it's not, it's much more work than just getting a regular job. Right? Yeah, just get a job. Well, Brandon's going to go to college, and he's going to get into politics, yeah, and he's going to be fine. And Brandon's, we know this already. Brandon's going to not... Brandon's going to have this gambling problem and, and kick it because that every every addiction in, in Beverly Hills is easily dealt with, <laughs> whether it's a mom cocaine addiction or or a student alcohol addiction or a peach pit employee gambling addiction. 
Yep. Any addiction that you have in, in Beverly Hills is easily fixed. <laughs> That's the story of Hollywood. So, a bunch of well-adjusted people that occasionally make mistakes but can always make it better. Right. I think uh, I think next episode we might see Brandon having some problems. Oh, it's going to come to a head. I don't know if it'll be next episode because I, I don't know. I don't so. know how long we're going to be dealing with the Jack McKay stuff. Right. Like, that it prob- that probably won't be a major part of this episode or next episode, and probably. But so we could deal with Brandon, maybe. Oh yeah, what else? What else happened? That's I mean, it. It was it was very focused on as it should be, but it was very focused on on Dylan and what was going on with Dylan. I mean, nothing S- happens with Andrea. Steve and Andrea were there. <laughs> Steve acted like a jackass on the basketball court. What else is new? Right. And Donna is the moral compass and conscience of all of her of her friend group for some reason. Yep, that's about it. All right, you you ready to go? Huh. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> done. Son. I'm not even going to try to do anything else because Carol is mentally checked out of this episode. <laughs> well, good thing we made it all the way through the plot points first. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> all right, tell people things if you if you can if you can muster up the energy to do it. Check out our website www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. Write us at latefee1994aol.com. Send us a nice little note. And uh, tell your friends about it. Yeah, and go to... Share the tapes. If you want extra tapes, if you want early tapes, go to retrolatefee.com. Ah, I always do that. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash retrolatefee. Raro? Raro? Raro. Raro right free. On that note, <laughs> have a good one. Bye. <laughs>